This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. When interior designer Jana Rosenblatt had an 80-foot tree fall on her house, she saw the opportunity to create the customized home of her dreams. From Disaster to Dream Home provides you with the information and resources Jana wished she had during her rebuilding process. Now she's sharing with you the expertise of leading architects and home builders and the newest products and materials on the market. Here's your host, Jana Rosenblatt. Today, I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to introduce you to Doug Burge, AIA lead architect and owner of Burge Architects in Malibu. With his team, Doug has designed and created more than 300 residential and commercial projects in Malibu, California. As the world knows, Malibu is famous for its magnificent shoreline and unparalleled beauty, but also the land of mudslides, fires, and floods, which can keep an architecture firm extremely busy. There's no end to the topics I would love to talk to you about, but having lived through a natural disaster with my own home and working as an interior designer on many rebuilding and insurance projects, I'm going to concentrate on the current work you are doing with your clients who are rebuilding from the Woolsey fires. I've also been working over the past 12 months with two homes that were devastated from the recent fires in our area. I came aboard after both properties were designed by the architect the plans were approved by the city and the building process had just begun. Since I'm not usually there at the beginning of the design process, what I wanna talk about today is after the disaster, how does the design process begin? Doug, your office and much of your work is in Malibu. Do you live in the area as well? Uh, yes, actually we lived in this area. Our kids went to elementary school here, junior high and high school. Um, but we have a primary residence and uh, basically we're living here for, I don't know, close to 20 years now. Wow. And were you uh, affected by the fires, your office or your home? Uh, yeah, actually both. Uh, more so my office, actually. My office is on what we call the eastern end of Malibu or a little close to Pepperdine. We were actually the very first structure in that direction that actually was uh, burning. Uh, so we had part of our office. Uh, my insurance people had called me literally that uh, night and said, hey, we listen, I think there's an incident at your office. Uh, then to come find out later, a couple of days after the fire, that uh, my actual uh, office, personal office, which was my Airstream, had actually burned to the ground. Um, so oh I lost all my possessions. So it was like uh, pretty devastating because we're kind of like the core office. I said, we can't let our office burn. Like We need to be back, right? So um, and then our home was just mostly smoke damage because we live in actually the western part of Malibu up by Broad Beach where our personal home was. So, so wow. much devastation. We did not lose our home like so many of our clients did. And so I feel blessed on that end, um, you know, just with some smoke damage. But it was just devastating all around uh, the whole town. It was crazy. Yeah, I can imagine uh, as you're, uh, you know that you need to be available to so many people and your, your own life is a bit in turmoil. Um, the one saving grace for me when the tree fell on my house uh, was that it did not affect my office. My office is 50 feet past the pool and the roses. 
and snugly in the back, and that would have been a, much more of a disaster for me. Um, so I can have you back on a future show as as one of my um, survivors of, which will be great. So I'm just going to list, you know, a bunch of things we can talk about in the future. Right. Uh, how many? Uh, tell us me, me a little bit about your firm. Um, how many people are you working with, and um, how many residential projects do you work on at a time? Well, right now, actually, I've had a practice here in Malibu. Um, I've been practicing as an architect. Someone reminded me 35 years as of a. I think a couple of weeks ago. So didn't realize I've had my shingle up that long. i um, had my own business for over 30 years here. Uh, we've been here in Malibu for a good part of that 20 years. I, I've had uh, multiple offices in different parts of Los Angeles and settled here in Malibu about 20 years ago. Um, started out with about three people. Now we have about uh, 21, 22 people. Wow. We now have a full crew of they um, say workers that used to work for me here in Los Angeles actually moved to South Korea and they started a, a whole arm of uh, drafting people and architects working there. So now we have kind of a 24 hour operation, which is kind of cool. Um, and it really helped out and certainly the fires to be working remotely and they were already working remotely. So we have that kind of working remotely thing down. Um, currently, yes, the, the fires really jumped the business. We were super busy beforehand. We've by being here and having kids go to school here, you meet people, you get a reputation. And, you know, one of the biggest attributes of our firm is, is how you go through the process in a town like this. Malibu's known to, okay, the, you know, they hear the horror stories of working with things like the Coaster Commission and whatever. And so we, we've got that as a reputation. We've got an excellent team of architects working for, for, for us. Uh, one of the best things I did about a year ago is April of this uh, last year, as I made one of our top architects, Jennifer Hopple, into the president of our company. So now I have an amazingly capable person, talented, um, you know, a great business mind uh, running the day to day. And so then I'm able to do my design thing and meet the new clients and everything else. So we have a Brilliant. really, really honed team. We've been a new location. We've been here for about four years just past Pepperdine overlooking the ocean about an acre and a half property. And as we talk later today, I'll go into other businesses that we've created on our property, kind of like a showroom of um, how to rebuild your house. And we have all these vendors and things that we have on our property now. So that's kind of cool. Wow. It sounds like um, I should be planning a site visit. Well, yeah, no, you definitely got to check it out. Sure. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then the other thing is you'd answer your question is, so mostly residential, you know, we've been doing, you know, loving residential, but as I started doing my residential, a lot of my clients are going, Doug, I, I think it's great what you're doing because we're, you know, inside outside environments, being in a place like here, I had an office actually down in Cabo San Lucas for like four years during the um, early nineties. And uh, so they said, you, you should try your hand in hospitality. I said, oh, I've always wanted to work in hospitality. So uh -huh. within a period of the last five years, I've gone from zero to six hospitality projects and really nice uh, hotel groups, major hotel chains, uh, local hotels here. We have four hotels here in Malibu that we're doing, restaurants, shopping centers, and other things just because we're here. And people mm -hmm. like our aesthetic, as you commented, and as we comment on uh, looking at our website, we obviously did all the different styles. And so that has another thing to do with it. And we'll comment a little bit on that and how do I, I do all those different styles. So. It's been yeah. um, fun. I call it a passion profession. I love what I do and yeah. we'll just keep working. So that's, uh, we're excited about it. Keep them yeah, busy. That's, uh, that's perfectly clear. And um, when, when one looks at your website and your work and the diversity of it, 
Um, how many clients are you currently working with who are rebuilding their, their home specifically after the Wolsey fire? Um, it's, it started out, it was a, a large amount of clients we were interviewing uh, because we are the largest firm here. So uh-huh. uh, people had heard about us. Uh, they wanted to go to us. And so we are interviewing probably close to 50 clients. So we're currently working with about 30 clients. Wow. Um, some of those are, we'll call them the second tier rebuild, meaning yeah. that uh, they weren't the original uh, fire victim, uh, uh, one that lost their fire, but then that person possibly sold their property. And so the rights to rebuild that property with the fire rebuild rules go with the property. So we're working with uh, four or five new clients that are now working within the fire. It's still classified as a fire rebuild project. Um, so it's still quite a bit of numbers. We have most of those under construction right now. Um, and it's been, you know, a couple of years after the fire. And so it's uh, the city, we'll go into that a little bit later. The city's actually been really good about permitting because uh, it does take a long time to get a permit here in, in like we yeah. call it a peacetime. Um, yeah. And then during the fires, um, they, they were doing that. So we have um, a number of projects, uh, probably about 15 or so under construction right now of that group. Yeah, so that does bring up lots of interesting um, thoughts about the selling the prop. Do you sell or do you rebuild? Uh, but um, how soon after the fire for the first tier folks that know they want to stay, uh, do you start getting phone calls? Well, it was the day after the fire. I mean, we wow. had clients that we actually uh, designed their house. In some cases, I tell you stories that uh, that they were almost done with their house and the fire took their house away. So wow. we had to start over with the same thing. So we had one client up in Malibu Park that it was, you know, framed and ready to go and putting everything in. And all of a sudden the fire took the whole thing. And, and, you know, a lot of people obviously are devastated. There's, you hadn't moved in yet, but there's those types of things or, or projects you're about to start. And then that whole thing went away um, and, and where they were going to live in the guest house and that guest house burned down. So now we have to reimagine the whole project. So we had a, a bunch of projects that were already kind of affected. Mm-hmm. Um, even in my personal house that our, my wife and I raised our kids when we were in high school yeah, they were in high school and uh, that house burned down. And then, so those people immediately called me and says, Hey, I, I want my, I want, I loved your house. And that was great. Uh, I want to live the exact same thing. So uh-huh. we kind of recreated that. That was a faster permit. Um, and then others literally contacted me because remember Malibu was closed for about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't get in and out of here, but people were emailing and talking to me and says, Doug, I, I don't, whatever we need to do, you're hired. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had that. And then after you could start meeting with people, which is about in, uh, January of 2019. Um, then we started meeting all sorts of new people and talking to them at that point, we were kind of fully engaged and we had our whole system down here of, of first trying to, you know, help people figure out how to get their lives together. Um, which we'll go into a little bit of why I created Rebu. And then the second one was actually then um, how to figure out how to rebuild their house. But it was just always the personal things first. People started wanting to think they need to design right away. I says, listen, you got a family to take care of. You got to figure out, get your affairs in order, and we can eventually figure out design. So that was kind of a, that's a kind of a, I guess you could call it a humanitarian or a lifestyle type of thing that had to happen first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And and what should the client be looking for in in hiring the architect? Uh, obviously, it's great if they've worked with you before. I mean, that takes, I'm sure, a huge amount of pressure and concern off of your shoulders. But someone that's just starting out, maybe they recently bought or they've been there for a long time, but but the house existed and they didn't build it themselves. What are they looking for? Well, even back to your other point, I mean, even if the people had hired us before, what happens is, is that you have a complete shift on, okay, how, how this fire started, how it got to my house, how did, why did my house burn down? And can I do anything differently now for the technology and the materials that we have now differently? Because let's say you remodel a house, it was a Cape Cod house with long overhangs and it had, it had uh, trees near it and everything else. And you wouldn't do the same thing now. Right. So you're going to create a different shift in understanding of how it's different. And, and listen, Malibu had a fire, but other places around the country, more so California, every year there's a town that's on fire. Mm -hmm. So I, I had been in contact with all these other towns saying, how are you guys doing it? What materials are you doing? Different materials. So when we then meet with a new client, we're educated to a point where I guess you could say you could be an expert, but we're just going to be knowledgeable. We're going to be more knowledgeable on, on how to rebuild because they're going to the professional. They're going to me in our office to say, okay, how can I rebuild better? Um, and not necessarily for more money, but just better because the budgets, which we'll talk about in a little while when you have this, it's tough because, you know, you might have insurance, but it's going to be shitty insurance. I mean, there was maybe less than 5% of people had really great insurance policies. Oh my gosh. Where they said, oh my God, I can rebuild for a thousand bucks a foot. I said, that didn't exist because you yeah. have these insurance policies that that you didn't even look at half the time. And then you realize I need $3 million to rebuild my house and all I have is a million dollars. Or I need a million dollars and all I have is $300,000. Yeah. So and, and these are people with jobs and, and they're well-to-do, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a big ticket. When you don't have the money, you don't have the money. Absolutely. And, uh, and you can't necessarily rebuild. And the city is allowing you to build a little bit bigger than you did before, which is nice. Um, and you're not going to build the same. And you're going to think about it. And so the first thing you, you – know, my job as a professional is to provide everything out there as far as not just thinking the old way to do it, but there's a new way to do it. And this mm -hmm. is not just a fire victim I'm talking about. We apply the same basic background. We live in an area that has disaster prones. And I'm even right. going to go as far as to say there's tsunamis because that's a big ticket thing that the map just came out yesterday as far as zones that we need to think about. So let's just think about all disasters. An architect needs to, how do you rebuild? So anyways, it, it's a, not just fire victims. It's, it's actually anybody now we have to offer the same thing, which mm -hmm. is, again, we'll talk later about our Boo House uh, um, experience here as far as coming here on the property and seeing different ways to build the basic box. Okay. Um, so do you use, usually bring the client then to the builder or do, do you get brought in by builders? Are people talking to builders or architects first or is it range? It does range. It's interesting. I mean, when I grew up as, uh, as a kid growing up in the San Fernando Valley, my parents had, were building a house at the time. I Obviously, before I was born, my brothers were there during that time. And you, in the old days, you just hired a builder and then a builder hired a draftsperson and they did your house. You didn't hire an architect. The architect was like, wow, you're not, what are you building a museum or something? <laughs> and so you typically now, we're, we're 
mostly known because we can get the permits. We understand politically, you know, the town and how it works around here. Um, so we are getting some builders that already know the client there. Maybe they're a good friend and they wanted advice and, and they always want to know how much it costs per square foot to build a house nowadays. Um, but it was mostly people because our reputation, they would come to us. Um, but we're referred by other professionals, uh, interior designers. We have a lot of clients and uh, work with a lot of designers, a lot of consultants, a lot of engineers. And so we would be referring. But the most part, it was an individual client hearing through us, maybe through a realtor. Uh, most people, that was their home. They, 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 they were living in it versus a second home. There were a number of second home buyers that lived in back east, and they didn't really come here that often. Uh, I just spoke to a client this morning from Connecticut, and uh, he, he was renting his house. He didn't know anybody, but he had heard that we were the people to talk to. So mm -hmm. that's, that's that example. And when you're working with a client who uh, has not yet selected a builder, if they've come to you first, do you have a preferred builder list, or um, how do you recommend they find a client? What should they look for? Well, yeah, we had a list. Um, we call it the greatest hits. We have the greatest hits of engineers, builders, designers, people who worked with us before. We, we get along. We work well. Um, and they say that list was, was uh, you know, 10 builders. Uh, now that business builder list is 30 builders because there's a lot more builders that they actually came into town. And it's not like you were coming to town just to build a house. But, you know, Malibu's not on an island. We're, we're still got other towns near us that are uh, in this more than acceptable builders. So now we have a whole another group of builders. I just want to make sure the builder can satisfy both, not just our plans, but can ultimately satisfy the client. So I don't really have the luxury of knowing them that well, but uh -huh. I do know them now because we are working with quite a number of builders. We have over, I think 22 jobs under construction and uh -huh. we're probably out of that group or probably working with, with uh, 10 different builders. Um, and, and they, and they do to answer your question. And then you do the drawings. Uh, we tell clients, let's not blindly do a set of drawings. Let's get builders involved early on, start the interview process so they can talk to builders early on. Mm -hmm. They're going to save a lot more money because you have to work with the insurance companies. Remember? So we have to know their budget. We say, listen, if it's a 1.5 million or 2 million or three, whatever it is, so let's work now work with the builder early on, just pick, pick them based on his fee, whether he's a 10% guy or a 15% guy, whatever he is, I say guy, firm. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, let's, let's work with them. And, and then you're going to feel like you have a team working with you. Don't just do the typical design a house and take your wild chances at what it's going to cost you. Mm -hmm. uh, so it sounds like you're a little bit of a part of the, uh, of the interview process with the builder. You're going to be working with them. You want to know that you feel they're qualified and, you know, now, I mean, by now you've been working with some, but, um, you know, they're, you're going to help people kind of vet their options. We have to, I mean, the ultimate goal of a, hiring an architect is not just to draw a pretty set of plans and put it on the shelf. I mean, the goal is to build that object. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be involved during the whole process. And we give as an odd, some clients, they insist on it that we're there, you know, every week on the job side, making sure every, every little detail is carried through, but some can't afford that. So then we're uh, consulting along the way and they'll work with the builder. And I, and if I have a builder I work with for years, they know my little fussy things that I like to make sure that happens, making mm -hmm. sure you're lining up switches and just little things that 
that I want to make sure that happens. But um, yeah, it's it's a very important because in the end, you know, when they move in, you know, if if there wasn't me to be there, let's say during construction, then there were some maybe decisions that mm-hmm. like they got off course, mm-hmm. you know, so they weren't they charted the course. They had a itinerary, but then somebody else took it over. And yeah. so we we it's a creative business. You understand that being an interior designer. That, you know, the goal is not just to hire you to pick my finishes. The goal is to actually build the thing you've created. And how much consultation do you do or getting to know a client do you do before you're hired? And it's a yes, you know, this is we're going to do this together, uh, you know, make a commitment. What kind of process leads up to that point? Um, we have a basic office policy. We always create the first meeting. I meet the clients here at the office or at their property. We don't charge for any of that. And then we bring our team in the initial meetings to say, okay, this person specializes in this, this person specializes in that. Because we do a diverse styles, or I guess I do a lot of diverse styles mm-hmm. is that, you know, it's not like, okay. And they had, let's say had a traditional ranch home and it burned down and they're going to say, I want a modern home now. And I'll say, well, I can do modern. Or if they said I had a modern home before and I want to do a Cape Cod shingles, I could do that. So <laughs> we we kept all of that in office. It's not like we, I don't think there's a limit. I guess there's a limit for anybody could do, but we get challenged all the time. But I don't want to be pigeonholed into just one particular style. I want to be known as this good architecture. Um, so we'll we'll spend the proper time. I with, with the internet now, you can look at images. I, I told the clients as devastating as it was, you, you have to still look at things as an opportunity. If your family is still okay and, and everyone is safe, yeah, then exactly. still look at this as an opportunity to um, change a new chapter of your life. This, this, you did had no uh, control over this uh, disaster, but look at this as not a, a bad thing. Uh, let's look at this as an opportunity. Right. To, I mean, to, that's to the goal of, of this uh, podcast is because um, I personally experienced being out of my home for 14 months and I created the home that, that I am thrilled with and that gives us so much opportunity for our lifestyle that I didn't have before after, you know, that I had lived in for 10 years, I got to evolve it and it truly was an opportunity. And I want it. That's what we're trying to kind of get all that information out to people when they're first hit with something and they're so vulnerable how do you begin to educate your clients on what to expect beginning to end, assuming they never planned to be in a position to rebuild or build a house from the ground up? Well, I think what you have to do is, again, it's a little bit tricky because the actual homeowner that had the home burned down, they were dealing with insurances. And most people, when they do a home, I'm not saying whatever income level they are, they you know, they have their dreams and they've thought about it and they're planning and then you're thrown into this and like, they were never, ever, ever planning on leaving this home or redoing it or whatever. It just, it's gone. So um, there's a, a lot of PTSD, a lot of emotions for the first, you know, and it's still kind of going on even two years later. Um, so you're, you're dealing with a lot of psychology and, and trying to understand the client and try not to make a rash decision on something and actually Think about it if they're, you know, still be able to, whether if they have a spouse or if they're married, then, you know, they're bringing their partners in and talking about this. More and more people are bringing their families involved in these decisions because mm-hmm. the, the kids are typically older and they're, they're more mature and so they can help out. So that was kind of fun when I've had uh, family members actually 
kind of run the job for the parents and uh, they're maybe in college even and, and they uh-huh. love it you know they never done this before well, and they're so, learning something that you know they would never have learned any other way a whole yeah and so you know or they're bringing a younger's a vision to this project you know yeah. versus mm-hmm. it's always as a parent you're always thinking like i'm doing this in the best interest of my family well if the family they're smart now mature they, they should have a say yeah. And this might even be their home one day. This might even be something they inherit. So mm-hmm. you, you have to think it differently than maybe if you're just starting out when you're starting out with a family and you are the parent. So actually getting some of the kids involved, um, I say kids, young adults, uh-huh. uh, in the, into the process, it's been fascinating uh, because it's, 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 it's generational at this point. You know, mo- you know uh, generational in America is different than generational in Europe and South America and other places where they're so used to passing stuff down to their family. I mean, so many families here. Oh, let's just sell that house. The kids will be fine. Um, yeah, but and- now if someone, if if the family is all is invested in the house in a whole different way than just having grown up in it, then it's something that you want to create a legacy. I mean, you get to make all those wonderful indulgent decisions, and it's something that uh, should live on in in with the family and the family name. Well, what you're what you're really doing though is that it's in, in most cases it's just, and I'll go back here to Malibu, um, their property they really loved their location. They loved uh, either walking to a beach or a park or a mountain. Right, and the um, and, and and so the house most people's houses they inherited that. I mean, not inherited they they bought a house that was designed by somebody else, and and it's rare. It's like way less than five percent of people ever would hire an architect to do a custom home. So every single homeowner, whether you're, they were in their 30s or they were in their 80s, they just had this house and they were fine. It was just a home. It wasn't an architectural masterpiece, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, that's again, the opportunity. It says, you're coming to my office. You're going to understand that we're going to hopefully make your life better because the yeah, home right. is something that you're in all the time yeah. and, and more so even during COVID. And so now we're, we're, you didn't have, you just inherited where that bathroom was. You yeah, only had that right. minus closet space. The kitchen was only so big. Yeah. And yes, it took you maybe your time you're going to live in there to realize maybe I should remodel this, but that's again, the opportunity. So it's um, bringing these subjects up in the beginning to a client, kind of re-educating somebody to maybe the, the way they thought about something before. So I'm giving, I'm saying, this is not costing you anymore. I'm just telling you, let's take advantage of this opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, is there a very much of a difference between starting the process with someone who's lost their home uh, and are in shock or starting the process, the design process with someone who has been saving their pennies and waiting for the day they get to, de- you know, to design their dream home and thinking about it for the last, you know, 10 years? Well, I mean, there's going to be because it's like that was not in your agenda. You were a busy person before the fire, right? And you were carrying on and everything was fine. Your kids are in school and boom, everything is gone. Like all your personal possessions. It is the most devastating thing. I mean, besides death, I don't know. There's a lot of other devastating things you can get to besides, I guess, financial ruin. There's disasters, whether you're in uh, Oklahoma after, you know, you know, a tornado or whatever. Um, it's disaster. So you you definitely have to uh, understand and, and be sympathetic, more sympathetic versus someone who's just doing their daily routine and decides with themselves or however they are, they had to bump an income that they want to just design a house. They've had more time to think about it. Yeah, because you're, you're reacting then 
to a situation mm -hmm. that you right. weren't planning on reacting to. Um, and, and like you said, you were, you were hit by this. Um, and any of us that have ever been in an accident or something happened, it's just a shift in your life. You, as of that 10 seconds ago was never planning on yeah, right. having this event be a part of your life, whether it be Absolutely. a health related incident or a disaster related incident. And how do you prepare these people when they're coming in for the long haul of the process? Um, are you able to explain it to them in a way that, that they can begin to grasp? I mean, you inspire confidence, which is the first step, is that you've had such experience that I'm sure that when a client starts with you, they're feeling like they're connected to a process they know will be somehow successful. But how can you prepare them for, for the time span and the, the process ahead? Well, anything, you know, there's a lot of time span events in your life. Sometimes, you know, even going to school, right? I mean, school's supposed to end for some people and it's like, oh my God, when are you ever going to get out of school? Um, and, and so you're, you're planning a process and let's say the process, by the time you actually design something, uh, you'd love to think that you can design something and start construction within a year. Some people love to think you can get started six months, but as it approaches two years, you know, you could think you're a little bit worried and then you haven't even started construction yet, right? And then you're under construction for another year or so. And so it's, you're thinking, oh my gosh, what's two, three years from now? It's like, what was yeah. I doing two or three years ago? I like to yeah. think about like, okay, where was I at that point in my life? Um, so you have to, you, you can't, you, you gotta keep them engaged. You have to, we, we offer a full interior design service in our offices. So it's not just we're, we, we, we can just do the architecture, but we like to think if you have like a certain style, we have very talented, uh, my director of interior design, Jeanette. Um, she's got a great history. She's been working for me for over 20 years. You know, so we'll keep them engaged. We'll say, well, now that we've done this basic architectural shape, now we can talk about the interiors. Um, so we'll, we'll keep them going. Um, we have very smart people that work with the permitting process. They, they guide them. You know, we have client. I have not. I have a client from uh, Eastern, uh, from New York. Uh, the friend uh, is running the project here. It's a burned down property on the um, up on uh, PCH. Beautiful location, right, right above Instal Beach. Never met the client yet. She's in her 80s because of COVID. Uh, hired us a year later, but she was just couldn't think about her husband had passed away. Uh, think about rebuilding, but it's just interesting because you're. Having met this client and you redesign their whole house, and 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 uh, she wants the exact same thing, which is kind of interesting. Wow, uh, that is because of the history. Yeah, but it yeah. but it was a listen. I'm glad I'm doing the exact same thing. It was like one of those. It was really? in movie. It was in movies. It was like one of those cottages you see, uh -huh. like in a movie, like at the whips uh, windsworn beach or something yeah. in the windswept beach. Um, anyways, it was, it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's sort of exciting. It, ad it adds to the range of what's possible between your really contemporary pieces and your um, your container pieces, and which I'm sure we'll talk about in the future, and um, really, you know, keeps you interested in as well as. So it sounds like you really have a, a built-in process for taking people through this um, this very uh, traumatic and long process. And you know, you mentioned COVID. Has, how has that affected both the timeline and um, and the work? Um, we are fortunate because the Malibu fire, um, 
we had to, we couldn't come back to our office because it was uninhabitable. Uh, half a quarter of it had burned up down and we had to, you know, read smoke damage and redo the whole office, which still was out for about three months. So we had to go work all remotely. Um, and so we kind of perfected the working at home thing. Uh-huh. So when COVID hit, we were already ready to go. We just left the next day when they said, close down California, don't go to the office. And so we're getting good at it. And to a point where we're not, we're going to love people and they're fine working at home. They're going to work at home. The office is more like a place you'd go to meet clients and maybe pick up materials, do some printing. Um, or if you want to get out of the house because your kids are at home then work here. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going to, we're going to, we've actually got that whole new uh, work situation down and the whole world has actually gone through the same thing. Um, but we, we had to first work with, listen, we're, we're not in a vacuum. We, we have to design someone's house. They, they have a property that's in a jurisdiction um, that has permits. And so the permitting process had to be, um, if anything, the word expedite had to be streamlined. Uh, there was a fire here in 2000, uh, in 1993, uh-huh. uh, it was the, the last biggest fire here in 2000, the crowd can, the crowd fire. Um, and so that fire uh, created neighborhoods in the, in the numbers where the, there was about uh, 280, 300 homes lost and the Woosley fire was about 800. So, um, our last big fire event when they changed the codes was back in 93. This was, uh, t- t- you know, 24, 20 years before. So us, uh, my firm and, um, a couple other local architects, we had to go to the city. We said, listen, we, we can't, yeah. we got to just change what's there. We, yeah. so we immediately met with the city officials, the head of the city councils and the planning commissions and everything. And myself and another guy, Lester Tobias, a friend of mine, a local architect, just said, we got, we're changing it. In fact, I'm just going to tell you, this is the way you should do it. Yeah. And so they listened to us. We had a symposiums. We got up there right in the beginning. We said, we have to streamline this thing. We, we got to get rid of all the red tape. Yeah. And so we, they, and they were able to, we had to, they didn't have a choice. It's like, okay, we're in the trenches here. We, we we're telling you, this is what's happening and you don't need to do these 10 things in the end. You're still going to uh, permit this house and everyone's going to be happy. So that was important. And so we got that streamlined. And so the process was a little more of our design, but it's, it's to everyone's benefit. So now when something else happens next year, two years from now, 10 years from now, uh, the codes are better suited for uh, a disaster. That sounds like an amazing process to inspire the much needed cooperation between the city of Malibu and the folks that need to rebuild their homes and their lives. We have so much to talk to you about, Doug. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before you go, I want to congratulate you for winning the 2021 Home Office Design Award in California Homes and Design Magazine. Hope everyone checks it out online. The amazing office space was created by repurposing a fire-resistant shipping container. I hope everyone will join us on the next episode from Disaster to Dream Home when we talk about the budgeting process and continue our conversation with Doug Burge, AIA lead architect and owner of Burge Architects Malibu. Thank you for joining us on this episode of From Disaster to Dream Home, the podcast that takes you inside the home building and rebuilding process. 
Each week, we bring you time-tested practices and the latest trends through conversations with top professionals in the building industry. You can find other episodes of From Disaster to Dream Home at EWNPodcastNetwork.com, as well as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and most other major podcast streaming services. Need design help? You can contact us or find out more about our guests at FromDisasterToDreamHome.com. Until next time, let us guide and inspire you as you create the home of your dreams. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? (laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating $1 million in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.